Good morning and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright coming to you live at 7 a.m. on this Monday morning, November 13th. It is, you know, it was a hard weekend, but it's a beautiful day today. The sun is shining. It's a new week. One of our daughters will receive the sacrament of penance for the first time tonight. I get the opportunity to go to confession tonight and to go with my family. This this is going to be a beautiful day. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, what a weekend it was, a full one to boot. Uh, You know, Friday we were so privileged to be at the summit, the vocation rally for middle schoolers, uh, it, it was an amazing day from the moment we got there to set up to the moment we left shortly before uh, the buses loaded. We were able to sneak out of there before the buses did. Uh, but what, what a great day, a high-energy day. So many wonderful young people that we met, a beautiful mass, and a great homily about God calling all of us, uh, talking about the conversion of the Apostle Paul, that the conversion comes from who? It comes from God. And uh, it was a great day. We were privileged to be there. Over the weekend, some great, great, great family time, including going to Mass together, and then we had a volleyball game. Last volleyball game of the season yesterday, everyone was able to get together and uh, enjoy that. It it truly was wonderful. And then last night, the kids and I, well, most of the kids, Beth and I, watched a wonderful documentary uh, on Sister Claire Crockett. If you don't know the story of Sister Claire Crockett, Look it up. There's a there's a beautiful documentary about her life, and it, it's it's on. Uh, you can watch it online free. It's it's out there free. Just search on on YouTube, Sister Clara Crockett, and I'll get you the title of that when we come back from the weather here. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, the holy souls in purgatory. You know, one of the things I say often is don't waste your suffering. And why do we say that? Well, one of the reasons we say that is that you can apply that suffering for the sake of the holy souls in purgatory. And, well, you know what? This this weekend I met a lot of people. We had a lot of conversations. There was a lot of suffering I encountered this weekend for a whole variety of reasons. I did some suffering this weekend. But you know what? We can turn that suffering around. We can choose to wallow in it and say, oh, woe is me. I'm so, it's so terrible. Or we can say, Lord, please take this suffering Apply it to the holy souls that need it. That uh, documentary, by the way, All or Nothing, Sister Clara Crockett. All or Nothing. Uh, It's out there. You can watch it free. Let's get a check of the weather. When we come back, Father Wade Menezes will be with us to break open how we can foster our devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. Today is the feast day of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Born in Italy in 1850, Francesca was the youngest of 13 children, only four of whom survived. Her parents were successful cherry farmers, and when she was a child, her father would read her stories about the missionaries. As a result, Francesca developed a desire to become a missionary herself. When she got older, her desire became even more specific to become a missionary in China. After finishing school, she helped a local pastor for a while, teaching catechism, while also working with the sick and poor. 
Eventually, she ended up supervising a local orphanage and was assisted by a group of young women. When the Bishop of Lodi heard of her work, he asked Francesca to form a missionary group to work in his diocese, which she did, calling the group the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. Immediately, they opened an academy for girls. Seeing this work, Bishop Scalabrini, founder of the Missionaries of Emigration, told Mother Cabrini about the extremely difficult conditions facing Italians who had gone to the United States, which led to an audience with Pope Leo XIII, who changed her plans to go to China, telling her not to the East, go to the United States, sister. In spite of her great fear of the water, Mother Cabrini went to the United States, landing in New York in 1889, but it was not easy. The archbishop told her that the house intended for an orphanage was not going to be available and that she should go back to Italy. Undaunted, Mother Cabrini found a way to start a school for the children of the poor Italian immigrants, and then another, and then another, and then another. And over the next 37 years, she erected schools, clinics, orphanages, and hospitals for the needy and the sick, nearly 70 institutions in all, not just in the United States, but around the world, crossing the Atlantic, which she so feared 20 Five times. In 1909, Mother Cabrini became a U.S. citizen and at the age of 67 died at Columbus Hospital in Chicago while making dolls for orphan children. St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. If you tuned into Roadmap to Heaven the first eight days of the month of November, you heard us inviting you to pray to obtain a plenary indulgence for the souls in purgatory. It's something that we have the opportunity to do every year. And when it comes to performing works like this, a work of charity, usually there's some devotion behind it. We don't just go around saying, all right, somebody told me to do a work of charity today, so I guess I'll do a work of charity. And I mean, maybe that happens, but I'm I like to think that most of us are motivated by some devotion. We're happy to be joined by Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy to talk about how we can foster devotion to part of the church, a very specific part of the church, the church suffering, the souls in purgatory. Father, it's always great to have you with us. Thank you, Adam. And what a timely topic for this month of November, right? How to foster devotion specifically to the holy souls in purgatory, which we know comprise one of the three states of the church, specifically the church suffering or the church penitent. The other two states uh, are comprised of those of us still living on earth, members of the church militant, and those already in heaven, members of the church triumphant. But we're not talking about those latter two states of the church. We're talking about the first one mentioned, the church suffering or the church penitent, and how to foster a, a beautiful, regular even outside of November, <laughs> uh, devotion to the Holy Souls. You know, the Catholic Church dedicates the entire month of November to the Holy Souls in purgatory. During this entire month, we pray for the souls of all the faithful departed, true enough, especially those whom we have known and loved. And of course, November 2nd every year is the commemoration of All Souls Day. And it's also known as the Day of the Dead. And Pope St. John Twenty-Third, who inaugurated the Second Vatican Council, he tells us, quote, the devotion to the memory of the dead is one of the most beautiful expressions of the Catholic spirit, end quote. The devotion to the memory of the dead is one of the most beautiful expressions 
of the Catholic spirit. So why would Father Wade be on Roadmap to Heaven right now recommending a devotion to the Holy Souls? Well, let's back up a little bit and I'll tell you exactly why. Listen to this. The Holy Souls in Purgatory died in the mercy of God, no doubt. That is, they died in a state of God's sanctifying grace. That is why they are called holy, huh? Holy souls in purgatory. However, because they still had attachment to sin at the time of their death, they must undergo a spiritual purification of their souls before they are able to fully love God with their whole heart, mind, and soul for all eternity. The holy souls in purgatory are indeed saved souls, no doubt. They will eventually enjoy the reward of heaven what we call the beatific vision or eternal beatitude. But during their lives, they were not the perfect souls that Christ commanded them to be, Matthew 5, 48, and for which he provided every grace and means for them to become while still living on earth, 2 Peter 1, 3. Those who die in, in, the, in the grace of God, those who die in the love of God but fall short of holiness due to habitual sinful clingings or inclinations, must be pure before being admitted to the beatific vision or eternal beatitude, that is, to have the vision of God that the saints of heaven enjoy for all eternity. So this brings a second reason why they need to be purified. They need to be purified in purgatory, Adam, not because, not only because they died in perfectly pure and only absolute purity can enter heaven, but the second reason why they need to be purified is to have a greater capacity to love God for all eternity once they precisely enter heaven. We forget about that second point. It's not only that they need to be purified because only absolute purity can enter heaven. They need to be purified to have a greater capacity as a vessel per se to love God with the proper due amount he's owed to be loved in by us human creatures. And we forget that that's a second reason for purification. The holy souls in purgatory cannot pray for themselves. This is why they are also called poor souls or suffering souls or penitent souls, because they can no longer merit for themselves. They can no longer merit anything for themselves. Their opportunity for increasing in merit individually as human persons was during their earthly lives only. And so they must rely entirely on others to pray and make sacrifices on their behalf. This is where we come in, Adam, with our devotion to them and for them. As they are nevertheless part of the communion of saints, that is, they are members of the church suffering, also known as the members of the church penitent, they depend upon us to help ease their suffering and quickly advance them through their purification so that they can join the saints in heaven who comprise the members of the church triumphant in heaven. Prayers for the faithful departed pleases God, no doubt, who makes use of our prayers to help purify these souls that he loves so much. It is an act of charity that we can give for those we have known and loved, for our ancestors who gave us life, and for those who were our benefactors, for those whose memory is lost, who have no one else to pray for them now, and for those who have no one else to even think about them or to remember them. So, here are some ideas for praying for these suffering and often neglected souls at any time of the year, even outside November, but especially during the month of November, right? Dedicated to their memory. And by carrying out these practices, we also simultaneously foster a devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. So with all that said and laying down the groundwork of why we want to have a strong devotion to the holy souls in purgatory, I'm ready to go in now to these 20 ways to foster that devotion. But I wanted to make clear that they can't merit any more for themselves 
Adam. And number two, they are purified not only to become fully pure, because only absolute purity can enter heaven, but also they need to be pure to become a greater enlarged vessel precisely to love God more once they enter heaven. And, and those two reasons cannot be lost sight of. Well, Father, I love when you have these lists for us, because I host morning radio, and this is about as close to late-night television as I'll probably ever get in my life to say, let's go to the countdown now with Father Wade and number, take it away. Okay, number one, the 20 ways to pray for the holy souls in purgatory and simultaneously foster your own devotion to them. Number one, simply pray a novena to the holy souls, nine days of prayer to the holy souls, right? Number two, offer your holy communions for the holy souls in purgatory. How important is that? Number three, have masses said for your departed loved ones, especially on the anniversary of their deaths. Or just have a mass said, quote, for all the holy souls in purgatory. Number four, pray the way of the cross for the holy souls in purgatory. You know, the, the 14 stations of the cross, indoors or outdoors. But have your particular willed intention for that particular praying of the stations of the cross or the way of the cross. Have a, a particular willed intention with a firm and deliberate act of the will that you're doing that devotion, the, the way of the cross, the 14 stations of the cross, specifically for the holy souls in purgatory to help alleviate their suffering. Number five, pray the rosary for the holy souls in purgatory. It doesn't have to be an extra rosary in a given day. It can still be your standard daily five-decade rosary, but you're offering it for the specific intention of alleviating the holy souls in purgatory. You know, Adam, I meet so many people who when I share a point like that, they're like, oh, so I got to do a second rosary? Well, you can if you want to, but to answer your question, no, you don't have to. You want to live the spiritual life. You don't want to live the neurotic life, okay? This is why consecration, according to St. Louis Marie de Montfort, to the Blessed Mother, is so important because everything you give to her to then distribute, as she knows from a mother's heart, should be distributed, all right? So, but that, that's a whole nother show that we can do, okay? But but the fact is, your already daily rosary, just offer it up that particular day for the holy souls. I, I'm not against a second rosary in a given 24-hour period, a second set of five decades. Of course you can do that. But to answer your question, which was, oh, do I have to do a second rosary? No, you don't have to do a second rosary. Just make your regular daily rosary for the holy souls, especially during November. How, how beautiful is that? Number six, this is a, a one that I love dearly, obtain indulgences. Indulgences reduce or cancel the temporal punishment that we incur through sin. There are many ways to obtain indulgences, both partial and plenary, through pious actions, and we can apply their merits to the dead. For example, if you visit a church or oratory on All Souls Day and there recite the Lord's Prayer in the Apostles' Creed, you can earn a plenary full, that is, a plenary indulgence applicable only to the holy souls in purgatory under the usual conditions. The same can be said for visiting a cemetery from November 1st through 8th, um, inclusive, to obtain eight different plenary indulgences, one each day, November 1st through 8th, applicable only to the holy souls in purgatory. So I, I just love indulgences and the practices of partial and plenary indulgences. And that's that's a doctrine of the church that, that can't be lost sight of. Um, you know, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church gives us just a, a wonderful, just a wonderful, wonderful definition of indulgences, which I'll read here in a, in a second. But whether plenary or partial, they, they cannot be lost sight of. And this is very, very important. 
An indulgence is the remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sin whose guilt has already been forgiven. A properly disposed member of the Christian faithful can obtain an indulgence under prescribed conditions of a specifically carried out pious action through the help of the church, the bride of Christ, which is the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies with authority the treasury of the satisfactions of Christ and the saints. An indulgence is partial if it removes part of the temporal punishment due to already forgiven mortal or venial sin, or plenary if it removes all the punishment uh, due to already forgiven mortal or venial sin. So look at it this way. Uh, you got a bride and groom, right, Adam? Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. When he died on that first Good Friday, he left everything in his will to his bride for her to freely dispense of from the treasury as she sees fit as the primary executor, okay, to fulfill his wishes. And this is where the church with her authority dispenses from the treasury of merits from Christ, from the cross and the saints, those members of the church triumphant in heaven, those members of the church triumphant in heaven who are able to, to, to also do so only through that same first Good Friday from the cross of Jesus Christ. So I just love the doctrine of indulgences. And it's here that I also want to say, Adam, that every Catholic home should have the little hardbound, uh, six inch by nine inch hardbound book called Book of Indulgences. They can get it from EWTNRC.com, for example, EWTNRC.com. It should be a part of every Catholic home library. Uh, it's got over 250 ways to obtain a plenary or partial indulgence. And uh, it's just a great little text that we should have. Number seven is giving alms, right? Uh, alms is one of the three eminent good works along with prayer and fasting. So when we talk about the three eminent good works, we're talking about collectively prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So I'm talking just about the third branch there, just that third arm, almsgiving alone. Number seven, give alms. The giving of material assistance to the poor has always been considered a penance that can be offered for the holy souls in purgatory. Tobit 12.9 says, quote, for almsgiving saves from death and purges away every sin. Not only for those of us still living on earth, members of the church militant, but also for the church suffering in purgatory. Again, Tobit 12.9, for almsgiving saves from death and purges away every sin. Number eight, Pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for the intention of the Holy Souls. Remember our Lord permitted Faustina to not only see hell, but he permitted her to also see purgatory. Pretty powerful, which she describes in her diary. Number nine, pray the prayer of St. Gertrude for the Holy Souls. This prayer is attributed to St. Gertrude the Great and was the prayer by which she obtained the release of many souls from purgatory, which has uh, ecclesiastical approbation. Uh, tied to it. So it can be prayed in private devotion. Uh, and anybody can find it just by searching at their search engine, uh, the prayer of St. Gertrude the Great for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Number 10, uh, I didn't know about this one, Adam. This is an interesting one. Sprinkle holy water on the ground. St. John Massius, a great friend of the Holy Souls in Purgatory, would often sprinkle holy water on the ground while walking for the spiritual benefit of the Holy Souls in Purgatory to alleviate their suffering by the use of holy water, which is for one reason and one reason only, to recall to mind our baptism in Christ, right? Um, so number 10. So any comments, Adam, on the first 10 of 20? Uh, 10 things we can do to help alleviate the suffering of the holy souls in purgatory, but also at the same time, these first 10 of 20, 
simultaneously foster our own devotion to them. I think every one of them is a great one, Father. And when we were talking about the rosary, it made me think of our friend Patty Schneier, who hosts the Daily Dose of Encouragement here on Covenant Network, a small little two- to three-minute podcast and segment we air every day on the radio, who shared that one of the things she does for deceased family members is when she offers her rosary, she'll take a decade or maybe an entire rosary on on each bead, she will recall a specific person who has died and offer that particular Ave for that person. And whether we do it by the bead, by the decade, by the rosary, uh, for one person, for many persons, it's, it's a great practice and a great way to pray our rosary. Yeah, so n- number uh, five of the first 10 was pray the rosary for the holy souls. Well, you can mix it up, man. I mean, do it how you want to do it, right? And Patty Schneier gives us that one way where uh, each bead, each Hail Mary bead, Ave Maria bead is applied to a particular family member, lost loved one or friend by name, right? And that's a beautiful way to do it. So yeah, th- th- these are just great points. Number 11, uh, when passing by a cemetery, Adam, pray the short eternal rest prayer. This prayer carries a partial indulgence applicable to the poor souls. You'll find it in the book of indulgences if you have it. Uh, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. How beautiful is that? Uh, again, traditionally prayed when passing a cemetery. Number 12 is practice the tradition of praying the eternal rest prayer before and or after your meals as an easy way to remember to pray for the holy souls each day, even outside of November. You can also pray the prayer between the decades of your daily rosary. So again, you can mix it up, the eternal rest prayer. We Fathers of Mercy have the house custom when we're here at the house, the general at house in Auburn, Kentucky is that we close each meal by praying a version of the eternal rest prayer. And that's a uh, wonderful thing to do each and every day. It's also a good time now to take a break, so we're going to have more with Father Wade Menezes after this. Here's Matthew West with A Friend in the World. A prayer for greater love of Jesus. O my Jesus, thou knowest well that I love thee, but I do not love thee enough. O grant that I may love thee more. O love that burnest ever and never failest, my God, thou who art charity itself, enkindle in my heart that divine fire which consumes the saints and transforms them into thee. Amen. May the sacred heart of Jesus be loved in every place. We are talking with Father Wade Menezes today on the Fathers of uh, from the Fathers of Mercy on Roadmap to Heaven about ways we can foster devotion to the holy souls. And uh, Father, as much as it sounds like I've forgotten how to be on the radio this morning, I've also forgotten what number we are on in this list. I can't remember if we're on number 12 or number 13 here. Number 13, visit a cemetery, pray over the graves of your departed loved ones, or visit a random graveyard and pray for those who may have no one to pray for them, especially graves that are very, very ancient, like dating back to the 1800s or the 1700s. Simply doing this gains a partial indulgence for those in purgatory, even if those particular souls that those graves are marked for are already released from purgatory. Fear not, God will apply your suffrages, your prayers, your good works, 
uh, for the holy souls while visiting a cemetery to other souls in purgatory that can use them. While you're there at the cemetery, sprinkle holy water on their graves. Again, if you make this visit during the first eight days of the month of November dedicated to the holy souls, November 1st through 8th, you can gain a plenary indulgence each day applicable to the holy souls in purgatory. Um, when I go home to the Modesto, California area, to visit family and friends, or if a parish mission takes me to my home area, like it will this coming Advent, I'll be in Turlock, California at Our Lady the Assumption Parish, preaching a five-night parish mission, the most holy Eucharist gift and sacrament in honor of the three-year Eucharistic revival. I always make it a point to go to Newman, California, where my parents are buried at Hills Ferry Cemetery. And uh, when I pray and visit, pray for their souls and visit the grave, I always sprinkle the graves with holy water. Now that's a practice I'm very familiar with, sprinkling graves per se uh, with holy water. But I wasn't aware of what St. John Masius did where when he was just be walking, right? Just be walking, not necessarily at a cemetery. And he sprinkled the ground where he was walking with holy water um, to alleviate the suffering of the holy souls. I think that's a beautiful practice as well. But here I'm talking about in number 13 of the list of 20, Adam, is a sprinkle holy water specifically on graves of loved ones or, or non-loved ones. Those, again, those very old graves who have no one now to pray for them. Uh, number 14, practice Eucharistic adoration. Visit the Blessed Sacrament to make acts of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus on behalf of those in purgatory. Number 15, how about making sacrifices, small ones? Practice small acts of self-denial throughout your day and offer these penances up. For the poor souls, I used to have a friend in college, she would say, P.S. it, just P.S. it, will ya? You know, if I was complaining about something, I'd say, what's what's P.S. it mean? What, what's she telling me? So I, I asked her, poor soul it, just poor soul it, okay? Just offer it up for the poor souls. And so whenever I complain about anything, I still think of her voice, you know, just P.S. it, will ya? You know, <laughs> so if, you, if your wife's listening to this, Adam, uh, she's going to start telling you whenever you're complaining around the house, she's going to say, honey, will you just P.S. it like Father Wade says to P.S. it? Okay. I, I can hear her voice right now. Adam, just P.S. it. Just P.S. it. <laughs> okay, how about this one? Number 16, pray the office of the dead. You can find this in your volume of the Liturgy of the Hours, or if you don't own the one volume, you can get it online, right? Like liturgies.net or divineoffice.org. Those are great websites that have the divine office on them. Number 17, I love this one. Ask for the intercession of the saints who were known while living on earth to be particularly great friends of the holy souls in purgatory during their lifetime. To join you in prayer now as members of the church triumphant in heaven for the faithful departed in purgatory. Saints like St. Nicholas of Tolentino, St. Gertrude the Great, whom we've already mentioned, St. Catherine of Genoa, St. Padre Pio, St. Philip Neri, St. John Masius, who used to sprinkle that holy water on the ground, St. Faustina Kowalska, St. Joseph, the foster father of our Lord, who's the patron saint of a happy death. That's why he's included on this list. And our Blessed Lady and others. Uh, it, it's interesting when the saints see hell like the three Fatima children, or when saints see purgatory like St. Faustina, Our Lady is there with a mother's heart to comfort them when they see these images. I, I think that's very, very telling of just how of a beautiful maternal heart our Blessed Mother has. So these are some of the saints that were known to be particularly devoted or either during their life on earth or after their earthly life 
through man supernatural manifestations like the Fatima apparitions or like St. Faustina's life, where we know they were devoted to the holy souls in purgatory. Number 18, the short, fervent aspiration or ejaculatory prayers. Say them throughout your day. Offer up short and spontaneous prayers for the holy souls in purgatory. Consider purchasing devotional books or booklets with more prayers and special devotions to the holy souls and pray these as well on their behalf. Number 19, uh, repent of your offenses against God and go to confession more regularly. Confessing your own sins more regularly makes your prayers for the holy souls and for others more effective because you have more graces from more confessions. How beautiful is that? And number 20, Adam, is spread devotion to the holy souls in general. Make others aware of the great need that these suffering souls have for our prayers as they can no longer merit for themselves. And remember this, as you pray for the holy souls in purgatory, don't forget to ask them to pray for you once they enter heaven. So they will know who prayed for them on earth while they were still in purgatory. So once they enter heaven now, because their purgation is over, they will remember those persons still living on earth who prayed for them. And you'll have more greater advocates from the members of the church triumphant in heaven uh, than you had prior, because those former members of the church suffering in purgatory will now be members of the church triumphant. So as you pray for the holy souls, don't forget to ask them to pray for you in return, especially once they enter heaven. They will be happy to do so as they uh, will be most grateful for your prayers and sacrifices on their behalf while they were still in purgatory. This is the beauty of the communion of saints. Death does not separate those bonded to one another in Christ. Number 958 of the Catechism tells us that our prayer for them, the church suffering, our prayer for them is not only capable of helping them, but of making uh, their intercession for us more effective. Listen to this, Adam, if I can find it, number 958. Yeah, here it is. Our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercession for us effective. So they have an effective intercessory power for us, but especially if what's happening first, if we are praying for them. And that's number 958 of the Catechism with a paragraph titled at the top, Communion with the Dead. In full consciousness of this communion of the whole mystical body of Jesus Christ, the church and its pilgrim members from the very earliest days of the Christian religion has honored with great respect the memory of the dead. And because it is a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead, quoting Maccabees, uh, that they may be loosed from their sins, she offers her suffrages for them. That's 2 Maccabees 12.45. Our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercession for us more effective. So number 958, friends, of the Universal Catechism. I'm holding it up there for the visual for those watching Roadmap to Heaven right now have that text as well as the book of indulgences. And Jen, I, I want I want to close Adam with just a side note regarding the other four staple things that need to be carried out whenever one seeks a plenary or partial indulgence. So there's five things total. One of them is the pious indulgence action itself, right? Whatever that might be, like visiting a cemetery any of the days from November 1st through 8th or praying for the holy souls at mass on November 2nd which is not a holy day of obligation. It's the commemoration of all these holy souls, but you can gain a plenary indulgence if you pray for them at that mass on November 2nd. So there's the pious action, the, the indulgence act itself that's either going to be plenary or partial according to the book of indulgences. And the four staple things are this, 
And one must be baptized in the state of sanctifying grace, that is, with no known mortal sin on their soul. Be free from an attachment to sin, both venial and mortal. Go to confession within 20 days before, within 20 days after the indulgence pious action was performed. Receive Holy Communion on the day you perform the indulgence pious action. And then, of course, offer prayers for the needs and intentions of the Holy Father on the day of. So of those five things total, three need to be done on the day of the pious indulgence action is carried out. The indulgence action itself, the day it's carried out per se itself. Number two, Holy Communion received on that same day. Number three, prayers for the Holy Father on that same day. The other two things that constitute the total of five now, the other two that don't have to be done on the day of that the pious intention is carried out is is go to confession because you have 20 days before and 20 days after to go and then to have a, a an ongoing detachment from sin both mortal and venial uh it doesn't mean you won't sin again but it means you have a frequent deliberate act of the will in place that you will to be removed from all sin both mortal and venial and this habitually so because of the type of daily spiritual life you're living uh, so there you have it, the five things to gain a plenary or partial indulgence. I really want to encourage your listeners, Adam, to get the handbook of indulgences. I think that's very, very important to do. So uh, there you have it, the 20 different ways that we can foster pious devotion to the Holy Souls in Purgatory. And by the way, I want to give a shout out uh, to Gretchen Phils. This is from an article of hers titled 20 Ways to Pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. My topic on this today, Adam, with you is adapted from that article, 20 Ways to Pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, from October 17th, 2017, by Gretchen Fills, F-I-L-Z, found at catholiccompany.com, catholiccompany.com, all lowercase, all one word, catholiccompany.com, 20 Ways to Pray for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, from October 17, 2017, by Gretchen Phils. Great little article that I adapted from today to cover these 20 points. Father, this has been a wonderful reminder for us of the work that we can do and the importance of it. And one of the things I, I often think about, because I used to never think about this in life, I used to say, oh, well, if I can get to purgatory, that'll be great, because that, that'll mean I'll get to heaven. But you, you said this a couple times today. It's not that purgatory is a pleasant place to be. And I think, should we find ourselves there based on what's been revealed and, and what we know, we'll probably be saying, I wish I would have done some things in my earthly life to reduce my time here, which brings me to this point. Don't waste your suffering. I'm going I'm to pull a Father Wade and, and hold my visual up. Not as good as the catechism, uh, not as good as the St. Joseph Terror of Demons pen, but my, hey. my, my cup here. Don't waste your You're... suffering. Give it, give it to those holy souls that need it. Hey, your insulated cup there that says, don't waste your suffering, that's kind of like it could say on the other side, just PS it, okay? <laughs> just pour soul it, just offer it up. Don't waste your suffering, offer it up. Now, Father, the one question I do want to ask, because I think sometimes we all have that tendency to be overly scrupulous, and I know that's something you often caution us. Don't don't be overly scrupulous. If I want to do one of these indulged works, say I'm, I'm offering my rosary for the holy souls, I don't have to, with every bead, say, okay, this is for the holy souls, this is for the holy souls. On, on every, I could say that at the beginning of my rosary, uh, Lord, I'm offering my rosary for the holy souls in purgatory today and stating that intention is enough it's not that we have to quote unquote feel it at every moment that we're praying the rosary is it 
Absolutely not. You make a deliberate, firm-willed intention at the beginning of, of the pious action that you're carrying out on their behalf, and that is sufficient. Again, it's about the spiritual life. It's not about neuroses. It's not about the neurotic life. It's about the spiritual life. And I don't say that to be flippant. I, I mean that sincerely. Our spiritual life is not to make us neurotic. Um, it, it, and, and we have an act of the will. We have a will. We can make an act of the will through the intellect, and we just state that intention up front. Yeah. I, I mean, as we talked recently in the top 10 things Americans are afraid of are mortal sin and hell on the list. Uh, when I go right. to the dentist, before I go, I just offer a little prayer. Lord, any suffering that I might enjoy at this visit to the dentist, please accept on behalf of the holy souls. And uh, what a wonderful thing. It makes me think of that old Yogi Berra quote, uh, if you don't go to your friends' funerals, they won't come to yours. And for us Catholics, that is a very, very real statement. Yeah, amen, amen. And and again, you know, this is a, a group of holy souls that are worth fostering a friendship with because they can be quite powerful on your behalf. They can't be powerful on their own behalf, but they can be quite powerful on your behalf, precisely because they're one of the three states of the church where there's real communion going on. I, I hope that I get to enjoy the day as a venerable servant of God, Archbishop Fulton Sheen put it, that when I go into heaven, there, there would be a line of saints there to greet me and shake my hand who will say thank you for the work you offered while I was in purgatory. You know, I've got a lot of work to do before God willing I get to that point, Father, but that's the hope, that's the goal. As always, it's been a pleasure, and if you want to hear more from Father Wade on this or many other topics, you can check out our Roadmap to Heaven videos on the Covenant Network YouTube channel. You can listen to Father Wade every Tuesday on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Covenant Network. Find your station or listen online at ourcatholicradio.org. And uh, don't forget to check out fathersofmercy.com, where Father has many great resources. Just type a topic in the search bar on that page. You will likely find something either by Father or one of his uh, brother priests at the Fathers of Mercy that will help you out. Uh, speaking of helping us out and helping the poor souls out, Father, why don't we close with a prayer for the poor souls? You bet, Adam. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, through your Son and the Most Holy Spirit, we ask that you alleviate the current suffering of all the holy souls in purgatory, the members of the church suffering, the members of the church penitent. We remember them. We want to help alleviate their suffering. We ask also that simultaneously their intercession for us will thus be more effective precisely because we are first praying for them. We ask that you release them soon to enter into the great glory of heaven, where all the members of the church triumphant reside with you for all eternity. And we make our prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Roadmap to Heaven listeners, Adam, and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. And all holy souls in purgatory. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I know that as you go forth, friends, there's going to be highlights of your day. There's probably going to be lowlights. And as we've said... Don't waste your suffering. Put it to good use for those poor souls in purgatory, and hopefully uh, they're going to put it forward for us one day when we need it 
to Father Wade. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I look forward to our next time together here on Roadmap to Heaven. Thank you, Adam. God bless you now and have a fantastic day. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus, they have pierced my hands and my feet, they have numbered all my bones. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Well, Patty, I am still thinking about last week's Daily Dose of Encouragement, where we walked through the luminous mysteries with our intentions focused on praying for our priests. And I know this week you intend to wrap up our reflections on the rosary with the glorious mysteries, but I can only imagine there's more to it than that. Yes, we've um, spent over the course of these two months, we did two weeks last month on the joyful and the sorrowful mysteries. And I wanted to come back and do, of course, the luminous and glorious mysteries of the rosary, just sharing different reflections. You may or may not have ever heard of any of those reflections of which I shared, but I think it's important to realize, of course, that there's just a million different ways to pray the rosaries. And you can always have a theme or a major overarching intention for your rosary. And this week, we're going to focus on one of the earliest reflections that I ever learned that truly inspired me. I've had it for many, many years in my Bible bag, and it is the Rosary for Life. These are pro-life meditations on the Rosary. Again, you may already know these, or maybe you've never heard these before, and these can inspire you to pray the Rosary in a new way. So we're going to do the Glorious Mysteries this week, and the first one, of course, is the Resurrection. Here's the meditation from the pro-life meditations. Christ is risen By his resurrection, he has destroyed the power of death and therefore the power of abortion. The outcome of the battle for life has already been decided. Life is victorious. Let us pray that all pro-lifers will spread this victory to every segment of our society. I love that reflection because with this mystery of the rosary, I pray that we will never give up the hope of victory. The resurrection of Jesus Christ can break through the darkest places in the world, can break through the most hardened heart of those who perform abortions, break through the lies, the rhetoric of our society. So let's be bold and intentional in asking for resurrection power to be unleashed in the world, to break through the evil of abortion, euthanasia, the death penalty, and all attacks on human life. Patty, that's a great reminder for us that no matter how bleak things may look, we know who is victorious in the end, and may this rosary reflecting on the glorious mysteries and our pro-life efforts keep our eyes focused on that truth. Some of the music on today's show that I forgot to mention, that was uh, Daniel Rose with Holiness is Faithfulness. And after we finished with Father Wade, we went right into Matt Marr's Burning in My Soul. I know a 
Some of you like to know the names of those songs, and I'm happy to share them with you. If I could ask you to please pray for my daughter in her class tonight and the PSR students who will be making their first confession, receiving the Sacrament of Reconciliation for the first time. Let's pray for all those who are receiving the sacrament for the first time, uh, whether it's tonight or, or in this season. I know a lot of our second graders throughout the area receive the sacrament for the first time in the fall here. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for their parents especially. How many we know that we should just pray for them? They might be moved to avail themselves of the sacrament. I'm sure you know someone. I know someone. Let's just pray for them. Also, let's pray for our students who are preparing for the sacrament of confirmation. Some have already received that this fall as well, and many will receive it in the spring. That's something we're going to be talking about on the show coming up. Not today. We're out of time for today. But, uh, you know, our bishops so often see the confirmation candidates just moments before their confirmation mass begins and then address them during the homily. But if they could address them before, at the beginning of the process of preparation, what would we say? Well, one of those bishops is going to be able to join us, Bishop Mark Rivatuso, and I I look forward to bringing you that conversation and the insights he has on this wonderful sacrament of initiation. So that's coming up soon on Roadmap to Heaven. As we go about our week, we are midway through the month of November, so let's continue to pray for the holy souls in purgatory, as Father Wade so wonderfully reminded us today. Let's also continue that task of telling God thank you, and especially during that midday examine, praying, Lord, thank you for one specific thing that happened today, and and name it. Name it in your prayer to him. Don't just say, Lord, thank you for the gifts you've given me. Yes, thank you for the gifts you've given us, Lord, but be specific. Articulate what you want to thank him for. And you know what? During this month of November, even though the midday examine, we normally just name one thing per day, name as many things in your prayer as you'd like to. If you want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving after going to Mass and just list out, you know, starting with, Lord, thank you for allowing me to receive you in Holy Communion today. And then go through the other things. Oh, I think that would be fantastic. And don't forget to ask for the grace you need, though, to better love him, serve him, and know him. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. And in a special way, St. Tarsisius, please pray for my daughter and her classmates. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They've chosen him as the patron saint of their classroom because he's the patron saint of First Communicants, even though that's not till the spring. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today, and don't waste your suffering.